Hello, and welcome to Real Nutrition Talk. My name is Olivia Russell, and I am the owner of a nutrition education business named Intuitive Dieta. And my name is Regan Alexander. I have my master's in nutrition, as well as my personal trainer certification through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. In this podcast, we are going to dive deep into health, wellness, and nutrition, debunking diet myths as we go. In our current age of information, it's nearly impossible to find useful nutrition advice, and it's really exhausting listening to all the contradictions that exist. That's why we're here. Follow along as each week we sit down to discuss a different topic in order to determine if it is diet trash or treasure. We're so glad you're here. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Hello, hello. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I have been excited to talk about since we started talking about starting a podcast, and that <laughs> is the vegan protein debate. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that because every vegan knows the one question you always get whenever anybody finds out you're vegan is that, how do you get protein? Like, where do you get your protein from? So I'm here to dispel all myths. I'm so excited right. about this topic. It's a good one. It is. Okay. So... My little intro game today, Olivia, I'm going to ask you a couple of this or that food questions and we can kind of learn a little bit of your snack preferences. Let's go. So, all right. Crunchy or smooth peanut butter? I'm one of those weirdos. I genuinely do like crunchy peanut butter. To be fair, though, a crunchy peanut butter sandwich, it hits. It's it does. Touch. It is. You need a little crunch. Yeah. <laughs> guacamole or hummus? Oh, guacamole. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Homemade guacamole. Love it. I'm I'm from New Mexico. That's like no, okay. a standard dish. <laughs> I should have known. All right. <laughs> Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Ooh, dark chocolate. Good choice. <laughs> Hot coffee or iced coffee? Oh, that's such a hard one. Um, I like hot coffee in the morning. That's like, I can't drink iced coffee in the morning, but if I have like a a midday coffee <laughs> or like uh if I go out to get coffee it's usually an iced coffee or an iced Americano yeah I agree I feel like coffee shops make ice drinks better than I can at home yeah I, I went through a whole little stint my husband even bought me like an iced coffee thing that like cooled hot coffee to make it iced <laughs> and I also don't drink iced coffee nearly as fast as I drink hot coffee which sounds counterintuitive yeah like my hot coffee I'll drink in like 30 minutes but iced coffee that's like a six-hour drink like we're just sipping it throughout the day (laughs) mine's only like two hours glad it's an investment for you all right (laughs) last question controversial in my household cold leftovers or warm leftovers Mm, I feel like it depends. Like cold leftover pizza smacks, mm-hmm. but like, like I'm not gonna eat soup leftover soup cold. Well, most of the time, I can't right. think of I can't think of one that I would, but I'm sure there would be. Yeah. What about you? I eat all my leftovers cold. Really? Bugs <laughs> my husband. Like the other night, I had made like a red lentil curry or whatever. And we're having leftovers for dinner the next night. And I don't heat mine up like he does. I don't know. It's so weird. I feel like it's because all of your stuff is vegetable-based. Animal, like, animal fat or animal, like, meat 
doesn't taste right if you don't warm it up in a lot of scenarios like especially the fat like if you don't heat yeah. it up then it's kind of that like grainy that's a that's happens. a really good point and i never thought of before yeah not as weird as i thought <laughs> you're not most of the vegetable foods like plant-based meals that we make i don't heat those up usually it's the ones that have animal products in it that okay. I heat it up. So you're not as weird as I, you think you are. I feel a lot more justified because I get a lot of flack for that. So, all right. Well, let's get into this episode. So if you've listened to episode one, you'll know that I've been following a vegan diet for almost seven years. It'll be seven years in like March-ish. And I'm not going to go into detail about why I went vegan in this episode because that's in episode one. So you can go listen to it. But without a doubt, like I said, the number one question that I always get is, well, you can't get enough protein from plants or it's impossible to build muscle as a vegan. Well, I just must be a freaking miracle then because I've somehow managed to not only stay alive for seven years, but I've also put on considerable muscle as well. In fact, my whole lifting journey didn't even start till I was vegan. So you can't even be like, oh, it's before you're a vegan. You just maintained it. So Good point. (laughs) Yeah. So my goal for this episode is to introduce you to high protein plant foods that I include in my diet, as well as kind of dispel some common myths or misinformation that's out there about vegan proteins. So talking about protein in general, the recommended daily allowance or RDA for protein is generally accepted to be somewhere between 0.6 to 0.75 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So to put that into easier perspective, for a 150-pound person, that's about 50 grams of protein per day. So obviously, if you're somebody who has aesthetic goals to gain muscle or you're even just having a lot of movement during your day, you're going to want to eat more than that. But that's just kind of the minimum baseline amount, which is less than I think a lot of people think. Yeah. If you had to put that in like food perspective, like mm-hmm. tofu or something like that, right. what would 50 grams of protein look oh, like? Gosh. I know that I easily eat 50 grams of protein between breakfast and my snack <laughs> before lunch. So <laughs> fairly easy. So like It's not as hard as you think, guys. Yeah. That would be like what? Two cups? of tofu equivalent less yeah more? yeah because i usually eat half a block of tofu and that's about like that meal will be in the 30 ish grams of protein so yeah. so it's fairly easy to hit that yes. goal mm-hmm. so in the united states it's actually essentially unheard of for individuals to die from protein deficiency i don't know like everyone thinks vegans are out here dying of protein deficiency but it's just it's not happening. In fact, one study that I found in the Journal of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics looked at 71,000 vegans and found that on average, those vegans were eating 70% more protein than the RDA. And that was just the average. So people eating even more than that. So vegans aren't protein deficient. Yeah, there are probably a lot of vegans who actually are doing it properly are probably like paying attention to their protein specifically, right? Yeah, I would argue that I probably know more about my protein intake as a vegan than I would if I didn't, because I just don't think I'd worry about it because people would make me feel like I had to. Right, right. That's because it's such a like common thing for people to be like, are you getting enough protein? Or like another one is vitamin B12, which Mm -hmm. isn't part of this, but 
everyone's like, those two things are things that vegans are missing out on, but apparently not. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh, we could go on a rant about B12. Most <laughs> Americans could take B12 because our soil is so depleted. So yeah. it's not just a vegan problem. <laughs> <laughs> Me personally, I consume between 135 to 150 grams of protein per day. But keep in mind that I am working with a certified personal trainer and we've kind of dialed in through months of like self-tracking what macros work for me for my personal aesthetic goals. So I'm not just being like, hey, go eat 150 grams of protein if you're working out. That's just what works for me. And I think what I've learned with myself and like the whole weightlifting community is that different people like a high level of protein is different for different people. So like I know some people who train with my trainer and they can eat 150 grams every single day, no problem. I can't do that. I will get like so bloated. And yeah, like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, protein, damn. The protein <laughs> farts, guys. If you, <laughs> if you work out and you eat a lot of protein, you know it's real. So, <laughs> so that's why I kind of oscillate between like 135 to 150. Some days my digestion is just not feeling it. And it but depends yeah. on the type, right? Like the type yeah. of protein you're eating, which I know you're going to get into. But yeah, which also brings up a good point that if you guys have more questions about like vegan weightlifting and nutrition in general, I would love to have my trainer on. So let us know if you want to have her on as a guest because she would love to. And she's the best. She actually like competes in weightlifting. She's super cool. We should have her on even if nobody should. says anything we should yeah well, it's a great story because when she first started weightlifting her trainer like didn't know how to tell vegans how to eat and so he put her on like 1200 calories and she was just like, struggling and like he didn't tell her like to eat like vegan protein sources he was just like maybe eat some beans which oh are great, but that's not a high protein source. We'll get into that. Oh it, my god, that's devastating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, twelve hundred calories is not enough for a normal human being, anyway. Let alone someone working out. Right. Oh god, I I bet a lot of uh, vegans have experienced that though, like trying oh, yeah. to work with a professional who has no idea what they're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for some reason. Even after I assure people that I get more enough protein on a vegan diet, they still want to prove to me that I'm protein deficient. So um, they inevitably play the, but plant proteins aren't complete proteins card. Mm. So let's dive into that. If you remember from the macros 101 episode, I mentioned that protein is comprised of 20 different amino acids. And it's these amino acids in different combinations that do things such as build and repair cells and create antibodies and enzymes and obviously build muscle tissue. So when we look at protein-rich foods, we tend to classify them as complete protein sources or incomplete protein sources. And what this means is that complete protein sources will contain all nine essential amino acids. So another little tangent Of the 20 amino acids, nine of them we have to get from our food because our bodies can't synthesize them ourselves. So those nine are what we call essential amino acids, and we have to get those from our diet. So complete proteins are usually animal products, and incomplete proteins are usually plant protein sources. So because of this reason, there's like this common myth that like vegans don't get all the amino acids they need because they aren't eating complete proteins. However, if you think in your body, when you break down the different foods you eat, 
you kind of just have this like amino acid pool and your body draws on it as it needs it for different things. So even if you're eating different incomplete sources of protein, you're still going to get all the amino acids. You just might not get them all in one meal. Right. It's like a, if you think of it as like a pie, you pie slices an essential amino acid and you get you know, your lysine from one source. But each different type of protein source, even if it is incomplete, you combine them, right? Like, right, exactly. And it's not like in one meal. You can spread it over like a bunch of meals. And it's not like, this also makes it sound stressful. Like, oh, I have to make sure I'm like getting all the amino acids. You don't have to think about it. As long as like, you're literally like, if I was only eating, I don't know, black beans, Right. Yeah, we have some issues, but I don't think anyone's ever just eating one source of protein. So it's really not as hard as people make you think it is. But okay, I have a question for you, Olivia. Okay. <laughs> you on the spot. So there are some vegan proteins that are complete proteins. Mm-hmm. Well, do you know any of them? The only one I know is quinoa. <laughs> it's a is it, are lentils also? No. Or no. Okay. Quinoa is is one. That was the one that I always knew at first, but there's actually quite a few. So besides quinoa, we have soy products. So like tofu, tempeh, seitan, edamame. Those are complete proteins. Um, Yeah. I didn't didn't either really until like (laughs) a few years ago. I was like, oh, really? But yeah, amaranth, which is kind of a, not kind of, it is a grain similar to like quinoa. I'd say it's kind of like a oatmeal-ish type consistency when you cook it Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who have kids that eat primarily a plant-based diet gravitate toward amaranth over things like oatmeal or rice cereal because it is a complete protein and it's super high in iron which is for kids of any age like a hard to get in enough amounts so that's a popular one um buckwheat is also a complete protein Yeah. A fun fact, Ezekiel bread. Do you know that brand? No. Okay. It's like a brand of bread and it's like frozen. I don't know. It's not my favorite. It's like super healthy bread, but it's a complete protein. So I mean, even if you made your sandwiches with Ezekiel bread, it's not like bread is your main protein source, but it has all of the amino acids. That's Um, so interesting. I know. I'm already learning so much. (laughs) um spirulina which is a type of algae like a lot of people use it in like grains powders and stuff that's a complete protein yeah i don't like it but i mean it by itself is not great but like if you're yeah the greens powder or whatever you're having that super concerned you can toss them in your smoothie and then hemp seeds and chia seeds are both complete proteins really chia seeds yes Oh, I didn't yeah. know that <laughs> And nutritional yeast. That was when I learned researching this episode. And I was like, excuse me? Um, I didn't. Oh, I did know the nutritional yeast really? because I'm determined to make a vegan cheese that tastes good. And okay. nutritional yeast is like the base you have to use yes. to make a vegan. Because mm-hmm. one of my friends, her fiance is lactose. And I put cheese in everything, and I always feel bad. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna find a way to make a cheese sauce for you, homie. We're gonna we're gonna make it happen. <laughs> I think it uses nutritional yeast. I make this like mac and cheese recipe. It's not mine. It's from a cookbook, but it's so good. Like my husband actually likes it, which is when I know it tastes like cheese. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so he's not a fan of the vegan cheese, but 
I mean, I haven't eaten cheese for so long that vegan cheese tastes like cheese to me, but I know it's not that for most people. <laughs> You've gotten used to it as just yeah. like your replacement. Ooh, you have to send that to me because I'm determined to like perfect it because just because you're vegan doesn't mean you can't have good cheese alternatives, right? Right. <laughs> right. And then this is like a fun little combo. So it's not one food, but beans and rice are together a complete protein because they're both they're high and low respectively and opposite essential amino acids. So when you eat them together, it's a complete protein, which Ooh, wait, is wait. such a common dish in like different countries. Yeah, especially in New Mexico. Is it white rice or brown rice or it doesn't matter? Does not matter. Ooh, yeah. I love that. I know everyone always tries to say Mexican food is unhealthy, and I'm like, bet. No, it's not. No. <laughs> One of my favorite people I follow is the Latina nutritionist. Oh, okay. And she's such a warrior for Mexican food. <laughs> okay, do you ever play that? My husband and I play this game where we do, like, if you could only eat one type of, like, food mm. for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I get so hung up, but I feel like I always come back to Mexican. It's just so good. Yeah. It, that would definitely be that's like a staple in our home like one to five times a week for, oh, eating for sure like side tangent we can cut this out but i meal prepped my husband like these like rice and bean chicken burrito things for lunch this week and then i'm like would it be too much if i also made like sheet pan quesadillas for dinner and he's like no not at all so no, i feel that no. yeah no that's like and and it's also cheaper food. It tends to be cheaper, so it's really great for struggle meals. Like if you need to have a week of like struggle meals because you don't have the money for three hundred dollars at the grocery store, as most of us probably don't right now. <laughs> Mexican yep. food is a great like cheap, and it's it's got everything. Like a lot of people like to hate on it, but it's it's a complete. They're complete meals. Yep. <laughs> yep and they taste bomb who doesn't like mexican food for sure <laughs> all right so now that we're kind of talking about vegan foods i'm just going to kind of go into different vegan protein sources so sources that i think of as like protein you know like your mm -hmm. chicken beef whatever if you will are soy products like tofu tempeh and seitan because those have such high protein content what is seitan oh it's like okay it's a soy product but um <laughs> it's <laughs> uh how do i describe seitan i think if they make it using like vital wheat gluten have you ever cooked with that no. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> what is this the it's, chef in me is fascinated right I, okay now. i'm gonna make it for lunch so i'll send you a picture of the little box but yes please. it's just a soy product i like it it gives me like shaved beef vibes Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's super fun. Um, so it's like a, or like pulled pork-ish esque? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. I didn't know, I didn't know that was a, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people are familiar with tofu, but tempeh is a fermented soy product. So that one's super fun because not only is it high protein, but it's really good for your uh, gut microbiome as well because it's fermented. Yeah, um, I love to promote that one to people when they have when yeah. they're struggling with gut health. It's a good one to add into your diet. Yeah, we um, a lot of the times I think a lot of people think of like slicing tempeh, 
my husband and I like to like crumble it and kind of saute it and like put it in like pasta sauce, you know, as like ground meat or something like that. So that's how I usually use tempeh, honestly. But yeah, like a ground beef alternative. Yeah, that's Ooh. not like a frozen processed product, but love. Okay, then we have our legumes, which I like to think of as protein carbs because mm-hmm. they do have protein. However, I think of them more as a carb source and that's because they do have more carbohydrates than proteins Mm -hmm. so i guess if you want to get nitpicky i get nitpicky because you know i have like my weightlifting goals so i can't just like if i just relied on legumes for my protein a i would be bloated as all get out Mm -hmm. (laughs) it would be tragic and it would just be really hard to get the amount of protein you need but when i'm designing meals i always try to include a protein carb if you will So obviously you have black beans, pinto beans, garbanzo beans, kidney beans, green peas are actually really high in protein and lentils as well. So, and there's a lot of different types of lentils and they all have different kinds of textures. So that's fun. I have a question for you. Yeah. What is your favorite, what is your favorite legume? Okay. That's hard. (laughs) I can tell you right now. Pinto and kidney beans just aren't my fave. Like, I'll eat them and stuff. They just, like, they're so big. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I really like red lentils and the fact that they make delicious curries. Mm. And I also, mm, garbanzo or black beans. Mm. I got it. Garbanzo beans are also chickpeas. Yeah. I I remember talking to someone one time, and they're like, I can't find chickpeas. I'm like, it's garbanzo beans. (laughs) They're the same. (laughs) <laughs> Me and my husband had this. It was so ridiculous. I We were looking for garbanzo beans at the store. Mm-hmm. And we could not find them. We were like, what? <laughs> and then we were like, what's an alternative? So we Google it. And it's like, chickpeas are garbanzo beans. And it was literally right in front of us. Like, right in front of our face. If we had just looked at the second line on yeah. the thing, it says garbanzo beans under chickpeas. And I was like, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> It's okay. I, honestly, I would love to know why have I never researched this? Like, why do chickpeas, garbanzo beans have like two names? I don't know. But that is a good question. Yeah. Also, chickpea flour, which you can purchase, mm-hmm. is like a more high protein flour and it has honestly an eggy type taste. So mm-hmm. I make like vegan egg cups Ooh. using it. Yeah, they actually taste really good. It comes out like the same texture. I love making chocolate chip cookies with chickpea flour. They taste like you can't think of them as a chocolate chip cookie because you're going to be like, this doesn't taste like a chocolate chip cookie, but they taste amazing. They're like one of my favorite. If you're trying to add protein into a baked good, chickpea flour is great for that. It's got a great flavor. It really does. And then going off to the flour thing. Vital wheat gluten, which I'm going to send you a picture of that as well. I recently started using that as like, I'll do like 50-50 when I make my protein pancakes. I'll use like half normal flour and half vital wheat gluten. And it's literally like pure protein. Obviously, if you have like celiac disease, sorry, this isn't going to work for you. But yeah, no, it works super good. And that's like super easy to put into things like muffins or baked goods. You have to look up. It might take trial and error, like different ratios with flours and stuff. But it's an easy way to add protein to baked type products. Like if you have a kid who's like safe foods are carb based foods and they need more protein in their diet, like a super easy way. But ooh. Oh, yeah. that's a good hack for sure, especially for kids because yeah. trying to get protein into like kids who 
refuse to eat any yeah. protein is I think it's helpful. a thing like I remember just like not like chewing meat when I was little but yeah I think a lot of kids have that issue especially because a lot of meats people tend to give their kids is processed so like hot yeah. dogs or chicken nuggets or things like that so it's got kind of a funky texture so yeah that's a good sure. hack I like yeah. it I'm full of them okay <laughs> <laughs> then we have like our protein fats because we did protein carbs protein fats so this is things like nuts and seeds which do have protein in them obviously re-highlighting chia and hemp seeds because they are complete proteins but a lot of nuts and seeds are an easy way to just like sprinkle a little extra on top but once again i don't really think of those as a protein source but they do have protein and Same with snacks like nuts yeah. we always have nuts around like hanging around the house because it's mm -hmm. just a good thing to like snack on when you're like i'm not really hungry but like i need a little something yep and you don't need a lot of them because they're slow digesting because yeah. of the fiber so yep all right and then grains and fruits and vegetables obviously once again not like high protein sources but this is just kind of to reiterate that all foods have all macronutrients, macronutrients, macronutrients in some amount. So obviously don't rely on your vegetables for your protein, but protein does exist. Quinoa is probably, quinoa and amaranth are like the higher protein grain sources, but yeah. Um, what, again, do you, what do you put, is amaranth like a breakfast type thing or do you I, how do you cook that usually so i actually don't use amaranth a lot i use buckwheat buckwheat more than amaranth but okay something i want to like get into side note people i'm tentatively working on an ebook that's like recipes for moms that can also be made for your kids you don't have to like cook fifty thousand things but anyway love um, yeah amaranth i kind of view it as like oatmeal it's very plain it's whatever you make it so you could make it savory you could make it sweet gotcha and then we have i didn't know what to call them kind of like fortified type products so soy milk vegan greek style yogurts and then protein powders kind of are all in this little category these foods i well all of these foods but like source matters for these ones so like protein powders can have a lot of unnecessary fillers that not only can like mess with your digestion, but just if you're using a protein powder for protein, you don't want it to be full of like added sugar and stuff like that or heavy metals. So always make sure it's third party tested and has good ingredients. Mm -hmm. And a lot of protein powders actually are vegan protein powders are multiple protein sources so that it's a complete protein. So if you're someone that's struggling to get protein, protein powders can help you out. My two favorites. Okay. There's a lot of vegan proteins and I have not tried them all. My favorite so far are the four sigmatic ones and the Truvani. Four sigmatic are fun because they have like the functional mushrooms mm -hmm. in them. However, I tend to, I don't make protein shakes a lot. I love the four sigmatic and protein shakes. It's fine. But I usually put my protein powder in my oatmeal which it gives people the ick, some people, but if you get the right protein powder, I swear it's so good. But Truvani tastes really good in oatmeal. So that's the one I usually buy. Nice. Yeah, I love Four Sigmatic, but their stuff is definitely, it's more of a, a mixer, not a take it straight. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, their protein powders taste really good and they're sweetened with monk fruit, which is like a natural sweetener. So they're not like unsweet. Sometimes vegan protein powders don't taste that great. So those two, I vouch, they taste delicious and they're good. And they come in like vanilla chocolate, chocolate peanut butter. There's other flavors, but like why deviate from vanilla chocolate? I don't know. Yeah. And she said she hasn't tried a a lot of vegan powders, but that's a lie. (laughs) I already know Reagan's tried a bunch. So if she vouches for those two, they're probably one of the top ones. My first experience with protein powder. Oh, I'm so glad I kept going. So, okay. I went vegan during my freshman year of college. So when I was going home for like spring break or whatever break it was, I always would stop at Trader Joe's in the Twin Cities in Minnesota because we didn't have them in Wisconsin. So I always stocked up because it was fun. And I saw they had like a vegan pea protein powder. (laughs) I never had protein before. And I'm like, okay, my house makes a ton of smoothies. So I'll just get this and it'll be like an easy thing. Oh my gosh. It was terrible. Like straight up unflavored chalk powder. I don't know. (laughs) It must have been like plain unflavored pea protein. I don't know. I was gonna I was gonna ask you about pea protein because that is uh one that I've seen out there and I never met someone who's been like, Yeah, that's my preferred source of protein. I can there's some protein company anyway, so it was a bad experience, but like you spend so much money on protein powders and you're like, I need to eat this Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I paid so much money for it, but it's it's death. I don't think I finished that one. So a lot of brands use, well, pea protein is cheap. So that's why it's in a lot of them, but they'll put it with other proteins. So like hemp protein is a popular one as well. They'll kind of combine it, but I've found ones that have pea protein, they really have that chalky type texture that, that is associated with vegan protein. So the ones I use don't have pea protein in them because I don't like it, but if you're looking for a more affordable option and it doesn't bother you as much, those tend to be the more affordable ones. Right. I don't buy alcohol. I buy protein powder. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got their thing, you know? Yep. You win some, you lose some. All right. I know protein is kind of a hard or protein powders are hard because they are so expensive, but they're hard. They're processed and they're hard to process. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of people who aren't vegan use whey protein because that one's the cheapest it's the easiest to process anything else gets complicated (laughs) and going back to like eating protein in general Mm -hmm. unless you're somebody who like i said is like actively trying to like build muscle probably don't even need protein powder it's just one can only eat so much food in a day it's a really easy way to like bump up the protein content without having to eat like you know five blocks of tofu right <laughs> so it's just it makes it easier but yeah reagan is a bodybuilder therefore her protein intake is higher but right. as like an average person who moves in an like average way even if you're just working out in like a yeah. you're not really trying to gain muscle you're just like working out for health for movement you don't need to have a bunch of protein like 50 to 100 grams of protein a day is good yep okay so and then my last little section that was a tangent my last little section is like vegan mock meats which get a lot of the vitriol yes they (laughs) do everyone (laughs) seems to think that vegans like live on vegan mock meats so things i'm talking about think of like impossible burgers that sort of thing like the frozen section yeah 
And okay, maybe some vegans like live off of these. A lot of in the vegan community, there's people that are like health food vegans or junk food vegans, which I don't like. But I mean, <laughs> some people tend to eat more of the processed products and some people eat more of like, you know, the soy based like tofu tempeh beans, legumes, that sort of thing. So don't come at me. Vegans know they're processed, but it's it's a fun food to buy from time to time. And also they're really expensive. So I'm not going out eating impossible burgers every night of the week because I'm not that rich, but it's a fun thing to get when you're out at a restaurant. Most restaurants have that option to like sub for a normal burger patty and they're just fun to try and support like, you know, different companies. I feel like if you think of vegan meat alternatives as meat, you're going to be disappointed because it's not meat. But if you think of it as like a vegan protein alternative and you have fun with it and you play with it, like I've, I've made burgers with meat alternatives before and there's some that I'm like never again. And then there's some that I'm like, yeah, no, that was pretty good, but they are highly processed. I think that's the, Mm -hmm. my personal issue with them is a lot of them. If you look at the ingredients, you're like, I can't read half of the ingredients in this. (laughs) Yes. So I think a lot of the issue comes with people thinking like, oh, instead of chicken, they're going to go eat vegan chicken strips or like instead of beef, they're just going to buy like impossible beef, like the ground patty or whatever. And I don't like suggest people do that because, you know, eating meat is going to be better for you nutritionally than if you're just eating that. So different strokes for different folks. I'm not out here being like, I need it to taste exactly like meat. To be real with you all, I don't, I probably can't even tell you what real meat tastes like anymore because it's been so long. But like, I eat tofu knowing it's going to taste like tofu. I'm not like, ooh, I'm going to make this taste like chicken. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. Vegan food is, is different. And this is my thing with health foods in general, like health foods pretending to be junk food. Recently, we, Ryan and I got like these, they were vegan donut, mini donuts, chocolate donuts. And I was excited to try it, but as soon as I bit into it, I was like, okay, if I had not thought about these as donuts and just thought of them as like a vegan snack alternative, I would be fine. But because I bit into it thinking that it was going to be like a chocolate donut, I was hurt because (laughs) it didn't taste like that. And I I just, I like have such an issue. Like if you're going to be a health food, then be a health food and Mm -hmm. advertise it like that. Or if you're going to be a vegan food, advertise it as being a vegan food. It's a totally different food and that's okay as it should be. Yeah. Trying to like mimic stuff. If you're trying to mimic it, you might as well just have the real thing. Yeah, totally. And maybe it's like my taste buds, but honestly, I feel like the marketing on like the vegan meat products is so much better than how it actually tastes. I'm like, this just didn't, (laughs) this didn't live up to what I thought in my head. So that's what's like, it's fun to try them. The two that, um, if you are going to buy them, that both me and my husband really enjoy are Gardein meatballs. They're frozen. We always have those in the freezer for like a pinch if. We just need pasta night or literally like meatballs, mashed potatoes or whatever. And then their ground, the, the guardian like frozen ground too is my favorite if I use those. So that's usually what I typically buy or have at a pinch, which speaking of pasta also reminds me, legume pastas are a really good pack, especially for kids or anybody who like has, we have pasta a lot, but buying like a lentil or chickpea type pasta is an easy way to get protein and not really think about it. Ooh. 
Yes. I love I love getting those, trying them yeah. out. Because, again, it's just having fun with your food, right? Like, yeah. trying to find fun ways to make food taste good. Yeah. And we have so many options in grocery stores now for everything. Anything mm-hmm. you can think of, there's 10 different options for it. So, yeah. fun to play with. I have a question about lentils because I'm not well-versed in lentils. I didn't grow up eating them, so I don't know how to cook them very well. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I don't eat them very often, but I want to add them into my diet. Yeah. What is, like, some of your favorite lentil recipes? Okay. So different lentils, they're very, like, Middle Eastern-y type Mm. foods. So, like, Indian restaurants have, like, all the different lentil dishes. And I just went to an Ethiopian restaurant. So Mm. good. But anyway, so different lentils have different textures. Red lentils, which I have a ton, cook down to be, like, really soft. And honestly, they don't even hold their shape. So soups, curries stuff like that, red lentils, or if you're making like, I don't know, like a lentil patty or something, red lentils are really good to use. They also cook the quickest 10 minutes tops. And then I'd say I probably use brown and green lentils. Brown and green lentils can be used interchangeably. They they hold their shape more. I'm not a huge lentil gal. If I'm going to have a legume, I'm going to have a bean usually. But yeah, they're fun to cook with. I need to get into cooking them more. And then like I've only cooked once with yellow lentils. You have to, if you're not getting, usually brown and red lentils are what they have in grocery stores. If you want the specialty ones, you have to go to usually some sort of ethnic grocery store. They'll have them, which is also a hack because their food is way cheaper too. Mostly because it's English. So you kind of have to, you kind of have to know what you're going for. I used to go to this one store in North Dakota. It was like an Asian market, but they had all the different lentils. And I had to look stuff up on Google. I'm like, what type of lentil is Moon Doll or whatever? Because like you can't read the packaging. But yeah, lentils, that's going to be my 2024 goal. Cook more lentils. because I like it. And when yeah. you cook them, send me the recipe. Right. I've been wanting to cook with them more, but I, ha- I don't have any like experience with them. So yeah. Red lentil almond curry. Ooh. I'm not actually kidding. We've eaten it once a week for like the last two years of our marriage. It's that good. It's so good. So I'll send you that one. That's a good one. Definitely. Yeah. But, I need good curry recipes. I have a couple curry recipes. I <laughs> I have a funny curry story. Well, yeah. it's not really funny, but I couldn't eat curry for a while because I, I used to get strep throat all the time because I had terrible tonsils Mm -hmm. and one time I went to an Indian restaurant with my aunt and we Mm -hmm. had curry and then I had to go play volleyball and I was sick I was like in the beginning of strep and then after all that I ended up like throwing it all up oh no you know when you throw something up you never want to eat it again so I went like four years without I couldn't even like smell the smell of curry because it was not good, but then I reintroduced it with soups, like curry yeah. soups tend to be just a little easy, pal- more palatable if you're not like used to those spices because it's like a different type of spice than mm-hmm. Mexican spices. It's like, how do you describe it? It's kind of like you don't realize how spicy it is till you're like 10 bites in and then it's just there and you're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Going back to cuisines, Indian food versus Mexican food, I really have a tough time deciding which would be my, like, permanent state of existence because both are so good. Like, going to a legit Indian restaurant, so good. 
I feel like the rest of the U.S. has like has like a lot of Indian cuisine food that is something people go to all the time. Mm-hmm. And we just recently started getting better Indian food, yeah. but it's so saturated with Mexican food here that like I didn't really get introduced to Indian food until I was in college. Yeah, which is amazing because me and my mom tried all sorts of different types of foods, but yeah. we didn't really have like good Indian food here until I got older or I couldn't find them until I got older so I'm still exploring Indian food I haven't like I've tried a lot of different food but I just haven't gotten that into it yet yeah I eating okay first of all it's hard to find like authentic Indian restaurants there's American Indian and then there's like Indian Indian so find that and then I like going to them because a lot of Indian food is inherently vegan because they use a lot of like coconut milk as their creamy texture. So, I mean, there's always at least 10 options for me, which is overwhelming because I'm not used to having options. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's anyway. something I never considered, but that's so true. Mm-hmm. If you go out to eat, you I probably have fatigue. If I go to like a vegan restaurant, my husband's like, can you just pick? I'm like, I literally can't because like <laughs> I'm not used to picking. It's usually like, okay, here's my option. But (laughs) that's so funny. I never considered that, but that is a fair point. (laughs) Anywho, the best Indian food I ever had was in Florida on my honeymoon. We stumbled across it because we, okay. So on our honeymoon, we were picking up an auction car for my father-in-law for his car dealership. And so we had flown down there and then we picked up this car from said auction. Said car had issues. (laughs) Oh no. It had to be fixed. And then in order to fix it, we had to drive a couple hours to Orlando to like a Subaru dealership because it was (laughs) that bad. Anyway, so I don't know what day it was, but we finally picked up the car. We hadn't eaten like all day and we were starving and we saw this random little Indian restaurant, which looked sketchy. So you knew it was good. And we were there at like 3.30 in the afternoon having like the most extravagant dinner ever. We ordered a bunch of different dishes, but it was so good Uh, and I don't know if I'll ever be back because it was like this random town but oh I love that I love the hole in the wall places you're always a little sketched out walking into it but then the server comes up and they can barely speak English and you already know the food's gonna be great like I was like the Ethiopian restaurant we tried here in Boise like we pulled up and I'm like "Mm, I don't know if I want to go in here but it was so good (laughs) I've had I've always had that experience like the hole in the wall places they just they do the food right yeah better than chains and I'm so picky about my food these days because I cook most of my food at home so going out to eat is like either I'm going for convenience or I'm going for it has to be really good right either either McDonald's or it's like fifty dollars a plate (laughs) yes literally like there's no in between yeah because a lot of times whenever we go out to eat somewhere that just like bj's or a an applebee's or whatever every time i eat there i'm like i could have made this 10 times better at home and spent like a third of the price that we spent on it it's not worth it (laughs) oh my goodness all right getting back into it my last little section is inspired by questions I received on Instagram. So if you guys have any questions or topic ideas, you're always free to like DM us and submit on our Instagram or our personal Instagrams. We love it. But for this episode, I had quite a few questions about soy 
as in, is soy good for you? Will soy give me man boobs? All the things. So <laughs> long story short, soy is not bad for you. And if it was, Asian countries would have some serious health concerns. <laughs> so to clarify, the soy that I'm talking about is like the organic non-GMO soy that's found in like tofu, edamame, tempeh that sort of thing. I am not talking about the soy that is used as like a stabilizer in processed food products. They're separate. Many people mistakenly believe that the human estrogens that we have in our body are the same as those found in soy. However, the type of estrogens found in soy are known as phytoestrogens, which do have a similar chemical structure to human estrogen. However, they function differently in the body. Human estrogen binds to receptors that are estrogen receptor alpha and do their hormone estrogen stuff in the body. Whereas phytoestrogens bind to estrogen receptor beta. So when you bind phytoestrogens to estrogen receptor beta, it inhibits the growth promoting effects of estrogen. But this means that soy is protective against cancers that result from estrogen dominance, such as breast cancer. A lot of people seem to think if you eat a lot of soy, you're going to get cancer because you have so much estrogen. False. It's different estrogen, and it actually helps to lower estrogen in people who might have estrogen dominance and have such cancers. In fact, one study that I found showed that higher soy intake in childhood was actually associated with 60% reduction in breast cancer risk later in life. And besides breast cancer, soy has also been shown in meta-analyses to decrease the risk of lung, stomach, prostate, and colorectal cancers. So all cancers that we see frequently here in the United States. Another concern is that men get concerned that their testosterone is going to be affected from eating soy. So research has shown that phytoestrogens in soy do not affect testosterone levels in men, even if consumed in relatively high amounts. So like in these studies, men were having the equivalent of like multiple blocks of tofu a day and zero effect was seen on testosterone. I would love to meet someone who's eating like 10 blocks of tofu a day. No one is. So yeah, calm down. You're not going to get man boobs. And then another concern is the soy-based infant formulas, which some babies have to go on if they're lactose intolerant or if you're raising a vegan baby on formula. Research has shown in many, 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 many studies that soy-based infant formula is not linked to any developmental irregularities and that soy products consumed by children do not appear to affect any development during puberty or disruption of hormone levels. So if you would love to read the plethora of research that exists, I'm more than happy to send you different articles. Alternatively, search yourself on PubMed. There's a ton of really great studies, especially meta-analysis, which are kind of like the top tier research study because it looks at multiple studies and combines the data. Moral of the story, soy is not bad for you hormone-wise. You will be fine. And then as a little added fun tidbit, soy is naturally high in iron. And if you are unaware, iron deficiency is the number one nutrient deficiency worldwide, especially in the U.S. So if you do struggle with consuming enough iron, especially common in kids because they actually have really high iron needs, consider adding some soy into your diet. Yeah. Help you find recipes. But yeah. 
And as Reagan said, she's talking about organic, non-GMO. This is, I think, where the discrepancy really comes into play because a lot of the soy from U.S. farmers is they put a lot of pesticides and herbicides on it. But a lot of that soy is actually for our animals. It's not for human consumption, which, of course, goes into the whole issue of like the animals eating the GMO foods. But a lot of the issues that we're seeing with soy is very similar to a lot of the issues you see with gluten intolerances is it has to actually do with the pesticides and the herbicides and the soil having issues rather than the actual product itself being the issue. Yeah. And that gets really diluted through all of the media sources that are trying to claim that soy is bad for you. Yeah. Increases your estrogen blah 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 it actually isn't the soy that's the issue it's all of the chemicals we're putting on our food products that before we even get to the processing of eating it that is the issue exactly so just like meat products sourcing of soy products matters as well i always buy like organic tofu organic soy milk and it's it's not that expensive like i buy the organic extra firm tofu from trader joe's it's like 2.99 so super super affordable yeah it's possible like that's the other great thing about plant products is they do tend to be a lot cheaper than animal products so yeah especially if you're not relying heavily on the mock meats like if i have a week where a lot of my recipes are tofu tempeh based like it's not that high of a grocery bill especially because the meat that I buy for my husband, I'm like super picky about sourcing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's always like a ton more expensive, but yeah. Yep. So it's a nice way to kind of ease the budget if you want to do yeah. that. And play with it, like learning mm-hmm. to cook with with tempeh or soy-based products or... Yeah. Tofu scares people. I would love to help you if tofu scares you because it's so good. We need but... like a mini tofu cookbook from you. because I, I have so many cookbooks I need to make. <laughs> I feel like a lot of like 90s TV shows scared us all from tofu. I don't know what it was, but there was like a whole, a whole hate campaign against, uh, against tofu in the 90s that people were just like so against it. They were like, oh, it tastes disgusting. Oh, it's bland. Oh, the texture to the point now where like, whenever I bring up using tofu with my husband, he's still like, no but i'm like we might as well try it see how it goes like the equivalent of incorrectly or unprepared plain tofu it's like having chicken that you literally didn't add any like salt or oil to it's just going to be bland disgustingness it's what you do with it right it's like so most people don't like boiled chicken for a reason yep even like even normal chicken like i've got to season the crap that's really not preferential to have by itself that's just me personally but all right so that's vegan protein and why i have not yet just died of a protein deficiency i feel like i covered a lot of topics but if there's something else you have questions on as always feel free to send them over but thank you so much for listening i hope this maybe inspired you to maybe try a plant-based dish every once in a while Or maybe at a restaurant if you don't want to cook it. That's cool too. But yeah, I loved it. Thank you so much for teaching. I I learned something today, (laughs) which was fantastic. So thank you, Reagan. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. See you. Bye, guys. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Real Nutrition Talk with Reagan and I. If you love this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, tagged us in a story, or just left a comment or question on what you enjoyed and what you want more of. You can also follow us on Instagram with the links below in the show notes. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.